Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Paradigm 132 Podcast. I'm your humble and gracious host, Rashad Horn. And on today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about the NFL. Uh, for those who are NFL fans, uh, we know that the Kansas City Chiefs defeated the San Francisco 49ers for the Super Bowl, and it was a good game. Um, I always like it when I can watch games. I don't necessarily have a rooting interest uh, for either team, so it was just really good to just watch the ebbs and the flows of the game but that's not what this particular episode is about this particular episode was an episode that i should have done a while back but i was doing some other things but the genesis of this particular episode it comes from i was listening to undisputed uh, Skip and Shannon Sharp, for those who watch or listen to that broadcast. And they talked about how the NFL graded out at an elf for diversity amongst its coaching. So I decided to do a little digging, and the actual report that gave them the letter grade is not the report that I actually dug up. The report that I dug up was the Inclusion in Diversity Report, and it's from May 23rd of 2019. But the thing about it is that it follows certain trends, so it's not just a situation where they just have one year of data to look to go off of. They've been doing this since 2013, and it's headed by Dr. C. Keith Harrison, uh, from the University of Central Florida, along with his team. And essentially the goal that they are looking to accomplish is trying to find out reasoning why reasons why minorities are not in more head coaching roles. Now, for those who know me, I don't really like using the word minority because I feel like minority really waters things down. Um, so I want to use African-American, even though in the report that is what was stated, African-American. But obviously when it's given to the public, the word minority is going to be thrown out as it to not offend anyone. But um, it's really not offensive to me. But obviously my thinking is a little bit different. But I look at it from the perspective that you have a certain percentage that represents a large majority of the players on the field versus any other ethnicity. So we should just keep it a buck and just call it for what it is. Just say black, African-American, you know, whatever um, distinction that you want to bestow upon the race in which I identify with. Um, the report is available uh, the NFL um, offices released it. And so what was interesting about it is that it, it talked about, um, well, obviously for those who follow the NFL and for those who don't follow the NFL, I just try to give a, a short little explanation. They have something called the Rooney Rule, which was put into place back in 2003. 2003 so this is 2020 so this is year 17 of this rule being in place and what the rule does the rule 
states that anytime there's a head, well, there's a coaching vacancy, that a minority, again, there's that word minority, minority candidate has to be interviewed, right? It has to be interviewed. Now, it doesn't say that a minority candidate has to be hired. It just says that a minority candidate has to be interviewed. So, upon its inception, it had, you know, some success. Like a lot of these particular things that they, you know, they throw out, you know, it has little success. So people deem that the issue, the problem or whatever the situation is that it's resolved. But what ended up happening is that certain candidates were going to interview for positions and they weren't getting the position. So what ended up happening was that certain candidates stopped getting called for interviews because... It's just like anything with a job. You have a reference or whatever like that. So in the NFL, if, you know, Joe Smo went to go interview with the Dolphins and then he went to go interview with the Patriots, then he went to go interview with the Raiders, and then he went to go interview with the 49ers, and now you have the Carolina Panthers, and they're looking around and saying, hey, this this person has interviewed for four to five different positions. And they haven't got the position. So essentially, I don't really have to interview that particular person right there because based on him not getting a job, obviously there are some characteristics. There's something within his makeup, something within his personality that isn't necessarily meshing. So I don't really want to bring that into my organization. And so some of the candidates, I remember Deuce, Deuce Staley. Yeah, Deuce, yeah, Deuce Staley. Deuce Staley was uh, one of the ones that I remember that talked about, and it got to the point that when there were job openings due to him not being able to actually essentially ascend, he would stop going because he essentially knew that he wasn't going to get the, you know, get the role. So there's no need to go do the song and dance, the kumbaya, you know, these are my qualifications, this is my outlook, this is my philosophy, this is what I want to do offensively, this is what I want to do defensively, these are the type of players I want to target. You know, I, you know, all of the particular prerequisites, all of the things that you have to tell an owner. So they would just stop going, right? So, and obviously this is an NFL report, but I'm a tremendous, tremendous college football fan. And... The nepotism is at that level as well, where you just hire individuals within a particular circle. The biggest shocker to me up until recently, prior to recently, the biggest shocker to me was Andy Reid. And again, going back, Andy Reid was the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs, who just defeated the San Francisco 49ers. Andy Reid was fired by the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday. And by Friday of the very same week, he had the Kansas City Chief job. Now, obviously, looking back on it now, Kansas City made a tremendous hire. They got, you know, they hoisted the Lombardi Trophy. But at the time, people were looking at it sideways. Because here you have an individual that was fired for a lack of performance, essentially, and... You're not even going to the shelf. You know, you're going, we're rolling you right back out of there, you know. But, you know, kind of to his defense, Andy Reid is a good coach, you know, to his defense. He's a good coach. Uh, I used to watch the Eagles a lot, and, you know, it was just, they just couldn't get over the hump at times. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say it was 
always his fault, even though as a head coach, you're in charge of everything. But just on the basis of what we're talking about, that's, that's almost unheard of. Until this past year, the Arizona Cardinals hired Cliff Kingsbury. Cliff Kingsbury coached at Texas Tech University. Cliff Kingsbury, um, again, for my college football fans, you know about Cliff. If if you don't know, I'm just I'm just trying to bring you up to speed. Cliff Kingsbury's essential claim to fame was Johnny Manziel. Johnny Manziel played at Texas A&M. They put together um, a great offensive output. They they came from the Big Twelve division, moved to the SEC and essentially beat Alabama, which was almost unheard of. And then the following year, I almost beat Alabama again, you know. So he left Texas A&M and went to Texas Tech and was just essentially a an average coach. So prior to the Arizona Cardinals job, he had got – now listen, he was fired by Texas Tech. And USC – had an opening for an offensive coordinator, which, again, is what his role was at Texas A&M. So he goes to USC. You know, it was going to be announced as the offensive. Well, the announcement had been made that he was the offensive coordinator. But I believe it was something where he didn't necessarily, uh, either they bought him out or he didn't sign the paperwork or whatever. But next thing I know, he's the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. And that was essentially based on the fact that Sean McVay, Sean McVay, the coach of the L.A. Rams, Sean McVay, young innovator, came to L.A. to the Rams, essentially took the league by storm somewhat and took the Rams to the Super Bowl. Um, and so now that's the, uh, the coach that everyone's looking for. They're looking for the young guy, the innovator. And so Cliff Kingsbury is there. Now, Cliff Kingsbury may actually pan out. He may actually be, uh, you know, a good NFL coach. He might be, you know. He just might. But the fact that the individual that was there before him really didn't get an opportunity to really build the team is essentially a slap in the face because you fired him and then you turned around and you hire not a guy that was already in the field, not a hot shot guy in college football. You hired Cliff Kingsbury, who was nothing special at Texas Tech. Now, some people may argue and say, well, again, if you know college football, Texas Tech didn't necessarily have the best athletes and stuff like that. But... Great coaches know how to overcome talent discrepancies. They know how to overcome. I watch too much college football for anyone to try to tell me any different. Great coaches take what they have and they put W's on the board. And Cliff Kingsbury didn't do that at Texas A&M. I meant Texas Tech, which is, again, why he was fired. So, um, moving on. There's just uh, this this. Report is very, very detailed. Um, again, like I said, it's available. You can just type in 2019 Inclusion and Diversity Report NFL, and you'll find it. Um, it's roughly 29 pages long, but it's very, very data-driven. 
and it talks about how coaches, um, how many black coaches, minority, if for those that may be minority, but whatever, black coaches, how many of them actually get head coaching jobs the first time around, and then how many actually get head coaching jobs a second time around. So obviously, if the initial head coaching is low, then we can automatically assume that them getting the job the second time around is even lower, right? And then it goes to third and and until and so fourth, right? So uh, they break down the head coaching, they break down offensive coordinator, they break down defensive coordinator, right? And so in each one of those particular categories, the black candidate is the lowest candidate. So some may wonder, at least I'm wondering, how in the world can a sport that is essentially dominated by black people on the field not have the talent pool to at least be even with their white counterparts as it pertains to actual occupancy in these particular positions? I don't know how. So I kind of... I played football, you know. I was decent, you know. I wasn't good. I'm not going to tell anybody that I was good. I'm not going to tell anybody I broke all these records and stuff like this. Like, I know people because I'm I'm not that type of liar, you know. I, some stuff I lie about, but stuff like that that's easily verifiable, I'm not going to do it because there's no need to, for me to lie about things that happened going on, well, past a decade ago, right? But one of the things that... I look at it and I think about now, back when we was in, back when we practiced. Certain positions require more intelligence or more responsibility than others. I play wide receiver and defensive back, right? So essentially as a wide receiver, you got a handful of routes that you can run. You kind of remember to play, you know, remember what your job is on the play. And as a defensive back, you know, it's a couple of coverages that you can that you can play. You know, you remember your responsibility. But then you have a quarterback. You have a quarterback, which goes back to that notion where they believe that black men are not competent enough to play the quarterback position at a high level. And that's kind of kicking them in the butt now because if you look at the league with the old guard going out and the old guard going out is the Brady, Rodgers, Breeze. Um, If you want to throw Eli Manning in there, I don't want to do that, or Ben Roethlisberger, Matt Ryan, that old guard. And now you have the new guard, which is Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson. This is the new guard. And what do all of those guys have in common? They, all of them are African-American. So that stigma that the black man can't play the most crucial, most mentally int- intensive position on the field, that's being debunked now, right? It's being debunked. So getting back to my high school analogy, right? So the quarterback has to know all of this. The quarterback has to know what... Each wide receiver is doing, they have to know what they have to, you know, depending on the sophistication of the offense, 
they may they have to look at a defense. They have to read the, the entire defense and say, okay, this is cover two. Okay, this is cover three. Okay, that's man. So, oh, they blitzing over there, so I need to slide the protection. So they need to know all of these particular things. And, again, they felt that a black man didn't have the mental makeup to play that particular position. So going to the head coach's role. So now the head coach is essentially the quarterback of the team. He has to know what his defensive coordinator is doing. He has to know what his offensive coordinator is doing. He has to know about his, you know, each and every one of his players. He has to be able to set up a, a regimen. He has to be able to study the film. He has to be able to do all this. He has to be able to coach his assistants. He has to do all of this particular stuff. So, obviously, if they feel that a black man can't play the quarterback position because of the mental responsibilities, then we automatically can assume that they don't feel that a black man can run a whole franchise. Even though you have the white guys who shouldn't even be occupying those positions whatsoever. I mean, you have a situation with the New York Giants, which... At least to me, and I'm not a Giants fan, I'm a Raiders fan, but to me, they're one of those teams that has a history of being good. And they went from Tom Coughlin to whatever they have, and now they went and hired a wide receiver special team coach. A guy who's never been an offensive coordinator, never been a defensive coordinator whatsoever. And you have black offensive and defensive coordinators who were available for that position. And you hire a wide receiver coach from the New England Patriots. Now, I understand people, especially in the college level, um, I'm just, again, I'm talking about the college level, uh, Nick Saban, for those that follow college again, if you don't follow college, Nick Saban, the head coach of Alabama, and I'm sure regardless of wherever you've been, you've heard about the University of Alabama, whether it was for something good, whether it was something bad, but you've heard about the football team. So in the college ranks, most people want to get someone that went, that coached with Saban because Saban is at the top of the game. So you feel that, okay, well, that person coached under Saban, so we're going to get Saban. So they'll hire them because that's a part of his coaching tree. He has a strong coaching tree. So it kind of validates it, right? So essentially, Bill Belichick has that in the NFL. He has a pretty decent coaching tree. Obviously, the college level is not as intensive as the NFL level, so I feel Nick's assistants on the collegiate level are a little bit more successful than Belichick's are on the NFL level just due to the just just due to the way that the games are set up, right? So Joe Judge is hired. Right? And people are looking around. Then the Carolina Panthers hire Matt Rule from Baylor. And you're just looking around like we have black guys that are at this level. And being a head coach of a college football team is completely different than being a head coach on an NFL team because at a college level, you're essentially looked at as the authority figure, right? You hold a kid's destiny in your hand because you can cut them, which you can do in the NFL, but 
there are financial ramifications that come with that, right? You just can't go around cutting everybody on the NFL team because there are financial ramifications, there's obligations, all this different type of stuff like this. But there's no financial obligation if you cut a college player, right? You could cut him. You could, um, you know, do whatever it is you want. You could not give him playing time, you know, whatever the situation is, right? But in the NFL, it's completely different, right? He turned around Baylor. Everyone knows about, well, I'm not going to say everyone knows the Baylor story, you know, Chapter 9, all of that stuff that transpired at the university. But those guys are guys that owners felt were more qualified than black coordinators or black position coaches that are currently in the NFL that know the ropes, right? That know the ropes. So, the grand question, another question that comes up. Should we be mad with the NFL? And I want to do a two-part, so that'll be the question I answer in the second part of this, in the, the second part of this part, the second, well, the second episode. Should we be mad at the NFL, right? So that'll be for next week's podcast. But let's continue with this. So one of the things that I wanted to, one of the things that I jotted down was uh, in the notes. So going back to the point that I made about certain positions, like I said, I play wide receiver and defensive back. Not the most in you know mentally challenging positions. You know, hey, I block on this play. Hey, I run a slant. Hey, I do this. Oh, hey, I press him, let him release, whatever. Defensive back. So let's let's look at one of the statistics that they were able to monitor. So one of the things that they monitor for quarterback coaches. So a lot of teams have quarterback coaches. Some teams, you know, just offensive coordinator is the quarterback coach, or sometimes they have a quarterback coach. But again, the quarterback coach, which means you specifically work with the quarterback. And the, again, the quarterback is supposed to be, right? Supposed to be. Let's not always, let's not say that they are. Supposed to be the smartest players on the field. So if you watch football, they always talk about Brady Breeze, the intelligence, the film study, and stuff like that. So they have to know all of these checking, getting guys in good plays, Aaron Rodgers, all of this type of stuff. So there are only two black, again, this is from 2019, right? But still relevant. There were only two black quarterback coaches. Two. Okay? So let's go to the position similar to a wide receiver. The running back. Running back is a position that is essentially very, the running back position itself has been devalued, right? So how many black running back coaches do we have? There's 32 NFL teams. According to their study, there were 27, I repeat, 27 black running back coaches. Now, again, I tell you that a running back and a wide receiver essentially are two positions. They're dependent positions, right? You Like, obviously, again, you have to know your responsibility, right? Now, some may take it to another level and try to understand the responsibility of others. But as far as what you have to intake, it's nothing like the quarterback. So now you have the coach of those positions. And for wide receivers, there are 17 black 
wide there were 17 black wide receiver coaches. Again, there's 32 teams. So, again, both of those numbers represent more than half. Both of those numbers represent more than half of those two positions. And again, these are two positions that I say that aren't necessarily that mentally challenging. But again, there's 32 teams in the NFL. So only two teams in 2019 felt that they had a black person qualified enough to coach the quarterback, which again goes back to what I've been saying, is supposed to be the most cerebral person on the field. Right? So, and obviously, of course, there are more white offensive coordinators than there are black. There are more black they're more white defensive coordinators than they are black. Now, as far as a position coach, you know, position coach, defensive back coach, wide receivers, you know, linebackers, defensive line, you know, things like that. They're more black, right? Offensive line, which this may come off wrong, is can. To me, at least, it's considered like a white position anyway, even though there have been a ton of great black offensive linemen, but I still kind of look at it as a white position. So, obviously, there's not that many black offensive line coaches. But for the supposed diva positions, which are defensive backs, wide receivers, and running backs, they have the black coaches. So, I mean, maybe I'm reaching or maybe I'm doing some next-level thinking, but if you're kind of looking at it, if you're putting it into a vacuum, if you're looking at it from a stereotypical standpoint as an owner, you may look and say, hey, well, I have a black wide receiver coach, and my star wide receiver is doing all these antics. They're doing all these particular things. My defensive backs are getting out there tweeting, talking, talking. Because if you watch NFL – you know the two positions that do the most talking. Wide receivers, defensive backs. They do the most talking. And they, again, according to these statistics from 2019, are the positions that are coached by black people. So obviously, most people say, you know, from a business perspective, we got to do what's good for business. So it's not necessarily, you, you kind of you may couple that in and say, well, hey, taking away from the coach, and just, well, no, not taking away from the coach, putting it on the coach that the behavior that's being exhibited by that particular player is something that the coach tolerates. So you may look at it and say, well, hey, I can't have my entire team behaving like this. Like, sure, I can have one or two guys, but I can't have my franchise quarterback behaving like this. I can't have my offensive lineman out here behaving like this. So I'm looking at, you know, microcosm, I'm looking at the way that his position group is behaving. Now, don't get me wrong. They're pro bowlers. They're all pros. But they have a little baggage with them. I cannot have that as the face of my team. Notice a wide receiver and a defensive back are never the face of the team. A quarterback is. A quarterback is the face of the team. So, obviously, again, like I said, you know, the guard is changing out with the old and with the new, the new, the new face of the NFL right now. Regardless of as much as you love Tom Brady, the new face of the NFL is Patrick Mahomes, and Patrick Mahomes is is mixed. But 
if we're going by the the <laughs> the old what one eighth blood or whatever like that, whatever you know what they had in the Constitution, he's black, right? So a black man is now the face of the NFL. So it took a hundred years. The NFL has has celebrated a hundred years of being in existence, and for the first year, a black man is now the face of the position. I mean, the face of the NFL. Black man is the face of it, and it's not because he, you know, had you know one good year. Like, no, he's at the position that dictates what is and what isn't the face. So he's now the face. Obviously, like I said, you know, some people may still feel, okay, now nah, Tom Brady's the face. Oh, well, don't forget about Drew Brees. Aaron Rodgers still got more years in him. I don't hear it. We're talking about moving forward. We're talking about today. We're talking about the the heroics that he's displayed. And, and, and not to overlook Russell Wilson either because he did some, you know, some great and heroic things early in his career as well. You know, even though we had the Legion of Boom for those who watch football, it was still Russell's team, right? Even though the Legion of Boom got the fanfare, and again, going back to what I said, they were boastful, they were braggadocious, they were all of these particular things. But Russell Wilson was the face of that team and is the face of the team now. And we noticed the Legion is broken up. Those talkers have gone to other places and – and Russell has done what Russell does, and Russell is great, right? So, I mean, the numbers are there. I mean, the statistics are there. Some people may say they're biased or whatever like that, but I just look at it and just try to figure out how people, individuals that have played a sport, because I know I had played football ever since I was eight years old. Right until college, when I was told, "Hey, you're not good enough to play at this level," right, and it bothered me. But it is what it is. But you've been playing a sport since you were eight years old. Eight years old, and to get to a point, even if you weren't, even if you weren't a Hall of Fame worthy type of player, even if you're not Deion Sanders or. Jerry Rice, or you weren't the best, best at your position. But if you understood the game, if you understood what to do, to say that you're, you know, you're not qualified for this job, when you're just as qualified or even more qualified, it kind of goes back to the old saying that a, a black man has to be twice as good as a white man. I mean, I don't want to bring. I don't want to have. I don't want to throw that in there. But I mean, we st- we have to we have to look at it because this is what it this is what it seems like. I mean, I, at the end of the day, it's nepotism, plain and simple. But I don't want to just say it's nepotism without putting an explanation behind it, and that's the explanation. It's just point blank period that they just don't look at it. And then even and I mean and we have black head coaches in the NFL now. You have them. Um, but as a representation, excuse me, as a representation of the amount of players, the representation of those of that color in upper level management, you know, 
from head coach to general manager to front office positions and stuff like that, the 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 it doesn't it's not a representation. It's not the same. If we look at it from a global perspective in America, white people are the largest ethnicity and they also essentially own the largest companies, right? So it's a large representation there. But in this particular spectrum, you have the minority, which is the white in this particular field. They operate these particular key positions. So it's just something to think about. But I want to end this one right now. And like I said, the question that, I want, that I'm going to answer in part two is should we be mad at the NFL, right? Should we be mad at the NFL? So that does it for this particular episode. So please stay tuned for next week. And if you're not, please subscribe, and I'll be back to you again next week. Peace.